You know, when I, uh, in the wake of the massacre at the synagogue in Pittsburgh and uh, uh, the thought that this keeps going on for years and every year there's something that goes on and you look at hate and you look at the hate that's in the world and the uh, the idea that people could just walk into a place that was once considered sacred, safe, holy, uh, and kill randomly. That that the blind hate that that person has or these people have uh, rocks us all. And and hopefully we never get too callous that this is an everyday occurrence and we just let it pass. When I looked at putting together this show uh, and asking people to come and join this show, I never expected the group of people that I have. Uh, I, I think it, it was it was not it was not my hand that guided this. It was God's hand that brought these five gentlemen together today. Uh, Pastor Walter Moss, uh, a man who I have known for years, who has been rock solid, whose pulpit is the world, the community, the street. Um, finding needs everywhere and answering God's call. Mr. Tim King, the founder of Family Care Counseling Center, um, coaching life to people, working with kids, working with addictions, working with all those things. You know, Mr. Larry, or Dr. Larry Bove, um, a, a gentleman I didn't even know, but came into... Uh, my realm today and in bringing him into this 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 discussion he is a former provost at Walsh University he's a was the humanities chair and chairperson of philosophy and theology uh, he speaks and writes on topics of concerns of ethics and philosophy of nonviolence social justice peace studies um, just so much in he brings into this discussion of, of, of from philosophy, from religion, from uh, all that. Imam Nadir Taha, who is the imam of the Islamic Center in Akron and Kent. And I went and I looked on, and, and the fact that, that they were so receptive to me when I called, and so receptive to coming on, and the mission of the Islamic Center in Akron and Kent states that they promote goodwill, understanding, and fellowship, and tolerance. Promote understanding and the act as, as a channel of communication between Muslims and non-Muslims. And then Rabbi Adlin, the rabbi of the Temple of Israel here in Canton. Everywhere that Rabbi Adlin has been, he has worked as a, as in in race relations, in cultural relations, in interfaith relations, uh, he has worked with Thanksgiving baskets and interfaith Thanksgiving service. He has always combined all the faiths into what he is doing as a rabbi. And I can't thank you enough, all of you, uh, for being here and being part of this show today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome. I wanted to start out 
by um, not a year goes by without news of, of random killings in churches, mosques, synagogues, elsewhere. And although violence has always been part of our human existence, it has always been part of it. But in this country, these places, churches, schools, were always considered kind of off-limits, holy, and safe. In your opinion, and any of you could just speak whenever you want to, is what has changed? Well, just, um, you know, the seemed to me the nature of people of uh, who, uh, you know, I'm a student of Dr. Martin Luther King, and uh, he said that, you know, we all live in this house. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about coming today, and when I grew up in Canton, I grew up in the projects across the street from St. Anthony's, and on the other side of St. Anthony's was the Italian neighborhood. And in those days, we never talked, we never had any racial issues. We we did play football against each other. We loved each other. I, I see guys today. It's like we were brothers. And I think that Joe, that as Dr. King said, we all live in this house. I think that we've lost that. We become more individualistic than we do as a. We don't see each other as our as a human family. And I think that has a lot to play into that. People now, instead of seeing the church and the mosque, uh, the synagogue as a place. Uh, you know, of, uh, of of holiness. Well, some people say, well, that's where my enemies are. See, the black church, the white church, Hispanic, that's where my enemies are. And because we've lost that touch that we're all family, we're all growing up here together. And when did we, when did we become enemies based on color, based on faith? based on labels when did that become when did it switch to become enemies i have a little different history than rabbi reverend moss um i grew up in brooklyn new york in the times when there were gang wars mm. and the neighborhoods i grew up were divided racially uh there were italians there were polish and there were puerto ricans there were blacks blacks and so the by the time i was 10 or 11 years old I kind of knew a racialized language, and and we weren't all big friends in the big city. Uh, when I went to school, uh, the gangs were there, and violence was 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 actually happening very quickly. Uh, if you remember some of those movies about the mm -hmm. the high schools and the and the gangs in the high schools, I remember uh, my father had uh, the luck that I guess I had was he sent me to school in Manhattan, and so I had to go to school uh, in Manhattan and take the train to Manhattan. And uh, fortunately, it was right next to Greenwich Village. And in Greenwich Village was the musicians and the poets, uh, the great musicians, the jazz musicians. So I had another, mm -hmm. another story, another history to compare to the one I grew up in. And so I, I, I think, in a sense, the big difference has been, even in those times of, of crisis, um, church was a place where most people spent a lot of time. Right. And, and, and again, when, when you grew up in those neighborhoods, I went to school every day, to Catholic school. The, the parish was a place where we went all the time, almost every single day. I think those traffic patterns for many people mm -hmm. who are in mainstream America, the church doesn't play that right. central role anymore. Right. It's just a place you go to. That uh -huh. may be different in the Islamic community, but I know in the dominant communities, 
those right. churches have lost that traffic pattern. Right. Uh, they're mm-hmm. trying to survive in a different kind of environment. So that, that's kind of a sociological approach, mm-hmm. that what makes it different. Uh, and so when you do feel yourself, where do you go? Uh, the first place in Reverend Moss, you all, you all were together. Uh, we, we, our neighborhoods were so big, there were thousands of people right. on one block, that it broke down into clusters. Mm-hmm. So if you went outside your neighborhood, you were liable to get hurt. Uh, and that's that's just the v- territory that you grew up in those days. Right. Uh, and again, I think we still have gangs and stuff today. But mm-hmm. that the, that one difference in terms of where you went to the refuge was the, the church was your traffic pattern, the people yeah. where you gathered. That doesn't happen to a lot of people now. Yeah. And I think that that's m- made it difficult. Hi, uh, this is Rabbi Adlin calling, and I'm sorry I'm not there with, with you all and, and my friends. No, thank you for being on. Here. But I literally just got back from Israel last night, and I'm not even sure what time it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as a Jewish, first of all, as a Jewish person, um, looking at what happened in Pittsburgh, um, this didn't come out of nothing. And um, I think that the Jewish community, and we're not unique in this, and uh, all of us on this panel uh, probably have come from communities that have experienced this as well, but Jews have uh, always had to work hard to be able to find a place in societies where they've, where they've lived, and um, more often than not, it hasn't been, uh, hasn't been a, the, best, the best relationships. Uh, you know, you have, people ask me all the time when I go into churches or schools to speak, you know, why the Jews? You know, why why did the Jews, you know, why were they targeted in the Holocaust? Why were they targeted throughout history? And there's really no good answer to that other than we tried to live our lives the way we thought that they should be lived. And here we are now, and it's just another uh, another person who sees, you know, hate through uh, for whatever reason. And it's, you know, as I said, we're not unique. Look at the church in Texas. Look at the church in in South in South Carolina. Look at the schools. For some reason, people are filled with this rage of hate, um, and it's fanned, you know, sometimes by rhetoric, sometimes by. Uh, the communities they live. We always teach our kids that nobody, nobody is born hating. They have mm. to learn this someplace along right. the way. They have to learn it from, in their families or in their, from from teachers or from friends. And um, Pittsburgh is just the latest example. And it wasn't just Pittsburgh; it got overshadowed. But there were two African Americans who were shot dead in Kentucky, Kentucky. on the exact same day yeah. for being African Americans. And um, we have to be able to find a way to to get people to realize that human beings, you know, we may pray differently, may go to, you know, vacation differently, we may do different things, but we're all still human beings. And uh, nobody 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 should take the hate that they have and point a gun at somebody and shoot them. Yeah, right. Uh, I I believe that uh, we were busy uh, lecturing the world about human rights and we forgot to evaluate human rights and what does it stand for universally in our own uh, courtyard. Uh, I believe that uh, the world has changed and it become a very uh, like small village. Uh, The social media, the uh, effect of the uh, all those uh, technology that is have uh, 
made a separation between even the kids and their families and hmm. you start having so many uh, effects over the last many years uh, and that separation is what you are sa- talking about mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. now that churches are separated mm-hmm. from the people and mm-hmm. uh, and you go to the church and you see only like very old people mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and the new generation that has been uh, raised Uh, they make their own values they make their own uh, standards away from what is right and what is wrong they don't learn uh, from the right through resources and on and on social media in different places they can find like-minded people to every thought that they may have right and they find groups to join with to who who uh, encourage and support all those thoughts right. where they used to be just random thoughts but since right. it's so connected now they can join together and get reinforced in those thoughts yesterday i was visited at home by uh, channel news without mentioning the uh, which channel news but they came to my home and it was about uh, a policeman from one of the cities local cities and around here they posted in he posted in his uh, on his facebook uh, a clear message of targeting and who, when some we will find someone who will kill farrakhan for example uh, and they were ma- meeting with us and they come and interviewed uh, would you accept this how can a policeman who's supposed to protect us is calling for those kind of things and of course the uh, the police department didn't know about that post on facebook mm-hmm. but these are the kind of things that it, it is a completely different world right that is uh, nurturing violence hatred and unfortunately we are not doing anything about it uh, to try demolish those walls of hatred and build instead of it uh, acceptance and respect for humanity and and we're going to and that's that's the idea behind the show today is is to at least get dialogue going and help our listeners i think most of anything is is not finding not coming we're not going to come up with all the answers today but we're going to at least help our listeners understand from five I consider wise men um, what some of the concerns are and what some of the problems that you face and we all face and how to how to diffuse this and I think it's you know in my mind it's getting back to being one on one it's me knowing you imam me knowing you larry pastor moss and i have a relationship rabbi tim king getting to know people one-on-one instead of lumping them together right great panel pastor walter moss mr tim king uh dr larry bove imam nader taha 
and Rabbi John Adlin, and we're continuing our discussion. And I want to get right right to the point. Um, what is it about us as human beings that makes it easier for us to lump others into categories and files? And then we assign labels to them. We assign attributes to them, um, usually negative. And Tim, I'm going to I'm going to come to you since we haven't heard from you, Tim King. Um, what is it about us that does that? Well, Joe, that's a that's a good question. Um, and uh, let me just begin by saying thanks uh, for having me on the show. And, and gentlemen, it's good to join you guys on such a a needed topic and yet mm-hmm. a, a sad a sad topic yes. and as i've listened as i've listened to the other uh, gentlemen just kind of share their their background uh you know we all have the different backgrounds for sure um and, and i i think about the words that i've heard like hate and and violence and, and racism and and those uh those bad things have been around for a long time yes. the, the word the, the word that i've not that i've not heard though and 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 anytime there's a national tragedy um or an international tragedy uh, human beings uh, our minds run to that infamous question of, of why 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 did this happen and you know if if it if it hits home then the question becomes, why me? Why, why, why did this happen to me and to, and to my family or to my country? Uh, and, and, and it hurts to the core of the soul. And, and if we don't get an answer to that question or we don't have an answer to that question, it, it doesn't turn out good because it, it, it demeans the human being, the person, because I don't know why this has happened to me. If we don't, the second question that, that comes to mind is, if we have a, a faith value, if we believe that there is a supreme being, then our question is directed, why thee? Not why me, but why thee? Why God? Why did you allow this to happen? And as a mental health professional on this panel, Joe, it seems as though the country at large immediately runs to to the mental health of the perpetrator, to the mental health of the person who committed the act of violence and and while i believe mental health is, is and mental illness is a real thing what 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 bothers me is that nobody is running to um the spiritual aspect and so i'm going to submit to the panel and to the listening audience of whbc that good and evil have been around since the beginning of time that's right and 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 when these tragedies occur, my brain does not run as a as as Dr. Tim King, the mental health professional, immediately to boy, this person must have been mentally ill, mentally sick. It runs to this was an evil uh, atrocity, and and so how, how do we battle evil? We battle evil with good, and it comes back to I haven't even met some of. Uh, of my radio friends that are on the panel. But here's here's what I was raised to believe and what I choose to believe it is that they are created by an omnipotent God. And therefore they're valued. And therefore they're worthy of relationship and worthy of friendship and worthy of love. Well, we might have a lot of differences and it's, and, and it's okay and there's a time and place to discuss those differences. However, what we have in common 
is that we see one another through the eyes of our Creator, Amen. and there and therefore we're helpful as opposed to hurtful. And I submit that these people that are committing these atrocities are hurting deeply. And what hurting people do is they hurt other people and they throw labels on other people and they're divisive. And God is a God of unity and harmony and healing, not a God of divisiveness and hate and violence. Amen. Thank you. Amen. and I will, I will submit this, that, that other people, you know, when you, when you look at labels, they, they dehumanize. Um, and, and Tim brought this up, is, is that, you know, when we dehumanize, we don't look at people through the eyes of God. We look at people through the eyes of our labels. Um, but, but everybody's putting those labels on. I mean, when you look at the effects of media and the sensationalizing of news and wanting to all of a sudden find out who this person is, right. what, what religion was he, what nationality was he, uh, and then you look at social media and the effects of social media and the kind of gang mentality that happens on social media um, are politics. I mean, how many political ads have we seen in the last couple weeks that, that, have, that show the opponent in a black and white, blurry, kind of ugly-looking picture while all of a sudden the candidate that's in the advertisement pops up in this beautiful, colorful, yeah. sunny picture, and, and, and they're demeaning. Right, we've seen people uh, think it's okay to hold up a, a severed head of a president. Uh, we've seen people, we've seen the president and other people get on Twitter and and demean people. Um, politics has become this divisive thing, and they're using it. They're using us. They're using these things to divide us mm-hmm. into voter blocks. Mm-hmm. That keep, and I would, that keep us divided. And I would, I would submit, Joe, uh, that what is behind that division is the word selfishness. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, for us to train and the people that we come in contact with to teach the people that we come in contact with to be selfless and not selfishness. Uh, is is much much needed, and as I as I crisscross the country and speak, and as I go into schools locally, um, selfishness abounds, and social media has made it, uh, it has made it very very easy for that selfishness to go public, and to hurt and to hurt people. Amen. I I, I want to kind of build on that. I think first of all, Mr. King's Professor King. A very good point. If you look at a moral lens, you try to make sense of this. The fact that theologically, we're all brothers and sisters created by God. We're all equal. Not one better than the right. other. That that depends whether you're in uh, Iraq or whether you're in Africa, whether you're in New York City, whether you're in Canton, Ohio, whether you teach philosophy or whether you clean the school. We're all equal. We're all brothers right. and sisters. Have the same dignity. And I think at that point, that that's an interpretive lens. 
That's how you interpret the world. So I'll go back to an, an, a, an old story from Plato's allegory of the cave. Hmm. Plato talks the story and says, and we're all in this cave, and we're all busy looking at the wall of the cave. And in the wall of the cave, we're actually seeing the shadows that are, that are actually being cast by a fire that the things are doing. And people are manipulating you to sit down and look at the shadows. And he talks about the reality is to stop looking at the shadows, to get up and get out of the cave and see what wor the world is really like. Hmm. And, and reality is most of us are sitting in this cave. I want to talk about the journey from violence to nonviolence. It's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. For many of us, it takes a long time to peel away the layers. By the time I was 10 or 11, I have words for people that you probably don't even know about. But it's just the culture I was grown in. It was, it was a violent culture. Uh, my grandmother went to school with Al Capone. There were people that did really bad things to their own kind because many times the mafia preyed on their own people. That's how they made their money. So, so we, you saw that on a daily existence. Breaking free from that... Uh, is, is a gradual process, and I think part of our job, both as teachers and educators, pastors and counselors, is to create an environment where people have the opportunity to grow beyond what, what they're thrown into. It's not, it's not a bad thing to label things if you're labeling one chemical versus another chemical. It's nice to know what an acid is versus something exactly. which is not an acid. So labeling itself isn't the problem. The problem is that we then make judgments, right. we make insights, and when we develop insights about people, when we learn that this type of person is inferior to you, that you're superior to this person, that's a judgment right. that people pass on from generation to generation. Yes. So we have a history, for example, in this country. In this country, when you study our history, we've been shaped by a racialization, mm -hmm. uh, a minor, we, we've had who, basically a dominance of, of one group over other groups. We've had laws, and when I, lit, when I was a young officer in the Air Force, I went to Columbus, Mississippi, and the, the laws and the way people organized themselves was radically different from my Brooklyn racism. But in Mississippi, the first, when they integrated the schools, the first floor was white, the second floor was black, the third <laughs> floor was white, fourth floor was black. That was, their, that was their answer to it. That was the way the law was. That's the way they looked at building buildings. They built mm. buildings with three bathrooms. I mean, there was a sense of we even, we even kind of inherited this ecosystem, and we don't know it because we just come into it when we're born. We come in from different countries. My, my folks didn't know anything about the Civil War when they came here in the 1920s. They wanted to come here to build a better life. And so we have to kind of gradually get out of this cave that we've been thrown into. Amen. And, 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 yeah, I agree. And, and uh, Rabbi, can I ask you a question, Rabbi Adler? Sure. How do you, when you... By going over to Israel and spending time there and seeing things and and because you hear things in the news that it's it's very separated it's very um, you you've got you know the the fences the barricades the whole things like that but I have seen things about Jerusalem that that there there is this intermingling of of Muslims and and Jews in there that it's not necessarily all that it has it has been or it has been portrayed as is that am I wrong with that no and it's not just in Jerusalem um, but it's it's not also it's as simple as that but in different places in the country in uh, Jaffa and, and around Tel Aviv and the northwest part of the country and Haifa and up uh, up in that part 
Um, people co-mingle all the time. There's, but it's not everybody's desire for co-mingling. But uh, you, sometimes you just can't stop the fact that people want to be friends with each other and people don't want to shoot at each other and uh economies need to to grow together to be able to better people's lives yeah there are lots of of issues in israel and unfortunately the news that we get always comes out uh, out of a very small part of it but you know i was over there for 16 days and um you, you don't you don't see it you can read about it in the newspaper but you don't you don't see it and we uh, had great opportunities to to meet with uh, Palestinians and people from the Druze community and have conversations and you learn that uh, you know life is not always so simple but uh, and I think all of us will agree what everybody wants is is for their lives to be peaceful and sometimes the path to that peace is not so easy but that's what everybody desires and it it ruins it ruins the labels that you have once you get to know somebody <laughs> all you have to do is get to know one person closely in one of those categories that you've put together and suddenly that ruins the whole thing so so the 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 test is i don't want to get to know you i would rather label you it's more comfortable but the remedy is to travel and to right. get out of your own right. the remedy is actually the opposite the remedy is to know another person when, when i was thrown into this situation when i was a young kid i went into greenwich village and i and i suddenly was confronted with I mean, musicians, and I'm going, this guy's a genius. <laughs> my, my background said that these people were inferior to me, but they're geniuses. Something is wrong. Is it with me? Is it with them? Or is it with them? I had to make a decision. And, and th that's the kind of existential challenge that people need. Right. Now, some people retreat back, and this is, this is the problem. Some people retreat back and say, it's not my problem, that, that it's them. And, and all of a sudden now, you can hate things. You can hate cancer. You can hate injustice. Mm -hmm. You can hate people who rape. Dr. King used to say, you hate the sin, but not the sinner. Right. You can hate things, mm -hmm. and you should feel, I do not want injustice. But when you start hating people, and you don't want that person. It means that that person is 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 something you you don't want to be around, and that's the difference. And when you make that decision, then the anger and all the ignorance gets fixed. Yes, and and, and I want to ask you, Imam. I I think more than any, there there is a a a, a label that's put on Islam, that Islam is the least tolerant of all faiths. Uh, you're infidels, you're this, you're that, and you should be eliminated or, or whatever. I'm just talking about labels here. But, but the, the, the Muslim people I know are not that way. So how do you, you, you have to combat this all the time or else you would get so bitter that you would actually buy into it and say you know, yes. You know, Jim, Wait, I, I remember. Hold on a second. I, I, this question, I wanted to ask Tim, I wanted to ask uh, the, the imam about this. Sure. There is a verse in the Holy Quran that says, uh, O people, we have created you, didn't say O Arabs or O Muslims. It says, O oh people, we have created you from a single male and female. 
means we are brothers and sisters from the same father and same mother. And we made you into different tribes and nations in order for you to get to know each other, not to despise each other. The best of you in the eye of God is the most righteous, the, mo the one who is the best for the humanity, the best for the others. So in this verse, it is clearly that is telling us, and this is what 1.6 billion Muslims believe, because what is in the Holy Quran is all teaching about that we are all from brothers and sisters. There is no superiority to Arabs over non-Arabs, or non-Arabs over Arabs, for black over white, or white over black. The best of you, again, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, is the most righteous. You go ahead. Go ahead. The reason why I'm saying this is because uh, you have a 1.6 billion Muslims all over the world. And we are like any other religion, like any other people. Like you will have some who will take things out of context, some who will, few people on the fringe here on this and that. But again, back to what you are, were saying, we as human beings, with our weaknesses, we love to label people. So small minority here or there will do that mistake. And instead of looking to the uh, bigger pic picture, we love to take those few mistakes by this person or that person and then give the label because that's will help me to control my own people by making yes we against them yes. instead of mm. we all and this and this happened in i mean look what you know you talk about the holocaust you talk about uh, uh, uh an entire country of people actually hating a people that were labeled you talk about the things that go on uh I mean, we we justified slavery right. from from people just saying, "I well, it's in the Bible that mm -hmm. that this is this is called for." We we constantly have done this in our history, but it is getting to the point where it's it's almost like you just it's almost out of control. Well, I'm I'm that may be because it's you're experiencing it, like you said, when you were kind of protected in the cave. Yeah. You had your prejudices. You didn't need to worry about it. Yeah. And it's kind of what I used to call postmodern vertigo. When you step out into the world <laughs> and you try to expect and, and understand and respect all people, you get dizzy. <laughs> and so one of the first things is get back to my comfort zone and you become more recalcitrant, you become more... So. And so you're really experiencing a good thing. That's a good kind of pain that you're growing. And I think that's that's what it needs to happen. But there are... There are times when the great Jewish philosopher, Emmanuel Levinas, talked about this in terms of the other. He, he says that the beginning of ethics is how you view the face of the other. And he grew up in the, in the Nazi era. And when you look at the other and you want to demolish them, that's, that's, that's when ethics, the negative part, starts. But when you look at the face of the other and you see who they are, that's the growth of ethics. So the Jewish tradition, there's the Itzar Tov and the Itzar Hara. There's there's the the good the good impulses and there's the bad impulses. Which one will which one will dominate? 
and obviously balancing. You need some of them because you have to, there's a balance. Rabbi Rabbi Adlein can talk more about it, but there's a balancing of that. And when you start letting the itzah, hurrah, the animal, and you're constantly angry, and you need a victim, and you need to figure out who am I going to blame, because you have to think when societal manipulates you, they want you to be afraid. They, They want to keep you in your ignorance. Bingo. And that's when you have to fight that. And in fighting that, that's why you feel you're you're in this struggle for liberation, the right. struggle for justice. And we and we all should be going through that. Right. But King, it's hard. Doctor King says yes, that in his yes. final books. Where do we go from here? This is a community this is a chaos. All, exactly. This is a cha- challenge for all of us. And I think we talked about it for a second that when uh, Malcolm X went to Mecca, he had a, re- a, a renewal in his mind that what what he saw was not what he perceived exactly. back here in the states. Exactly. And in my life, going beyond uh, my neighborhood, going beyond Canton, Ohio, going out of the United States to a different country. I've been to Israel, been to Africa, uh, other African nations. It's been eye-opening. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. And, 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 and this, whether you realize it or not, we are actually getting to some kind of, we're, we're presenting some kind of action items here. Mm-hmm. Whether you realize it or not, right. and I, I think that's 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 where we want to go. I uh, I don't want to simplify it too much because it's much deeper than that. Right. And we are continuing with our panel: uh, Pastor Walter Moss, Mr. Tim King, Dr. Larry Bove, uh, the uh, Imam Nader Taha, Rabbi John Adlin, um, and thank you all again for taking time on your Saturday, especially especially Rabbi Adlin, who has been traveling all night and doesn't really know what time it is right now. And Rabbi, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Can I, can I add something to this conversation? Oh, please. Anytime you want. Yeah. So one of the things that I have found in the years that I have been a rabbi and, and doing the work that I try to do is... One of the ways to combat uh, the ignorance and the intolerance and the hate and the and the racism is to reach out hands. I may not agree with everybody theologically, um, but if we find uh, common things to work on to be able to get to know each other, this was being said before the break, it makes it so much easier between our Thanksgiving interface service, which has I don't know, 15, 16 different religious communities representative, or we've built uh, three inter- uh, habitat houses uh, with the uh, Islamic community, the Islamic Society of Northeast Ohio and other churches. You know, when you start doing that kind of work, people, you may, they not, may not know how you pray or the way that you eat, but they realize that you're human beings, and it makes it so much easier to be able to move forward and to sort of begin to wash away this this terrible plague of hatred that's in this world so true and and imam you you had a story that you were telling during the break and i i asked you to kind of stop and save it but it goes very much in the in line with what rabbi adlon just said uh we have uh, every year we uh, have an interfaith dinner in our islamic society of akron and kent in which we invite about two, three hundred people from all different religions and uh, group and society members. And at that uh, last two years, I uh, talked to uh, Dr. Miller, who is from uh, Milan College, and to Rabbi uh, 
Brown, who is uh, the rabbi in uh, Temple of Israel in uh, Fairlawn. And at that time, I told them, uh, when I start reading the Holy Quran, and I got mature myself by retreating back and looking at the, and I found so many beautiful universal values that we can emphasize. Uh, for example, uh, one verse in the Holy Quran, God says, "Oh, uh, uh, like whoever kill innocent soul as if he killed the whole humanity. And whoever save an innocent soul as if he saved the whole humanity. So many verses like that. So I told uh, Dr. Uh, Miller and uh, Rabbi Brown, why don't you uh, or all of us start looking and dig deep into our uh, holy scriptures and we will find so many of those beautiful diamonds that emphasize universal uh, rights and justice and equality and love and mercy and we can then make it as the foundation for the way we teach our community and congregations and build the bridges that bring us closer to each other you said you also said that you you preaching now and teaching now is totally different than it was 17 years ago. Yes, I I was, uh, in fact, when you were talking about that, about your own experience, Yes, I said uh, it was happened just only yesterday that when I was uh, sitting with my friend, Dr. Mir, and I was telling him that I have been giving ceremonies and speeches for the last 27 years, if you will listen to the first 10 years compared with the last 17 years, you are going to see a completely different person. Because uh, in the last 17 years, I start going outside of that limited circle of thinking of the Islam or Muslims as small or uh, closed community to start looking at we all as human beings we have a lot in common we can stand on that common ground fight the same fight of uh, all the evil all the problems that our, our society is going through so i myself when i look to those years i will find or i will see a completely different person yeah. do you have you all experienced that have you all experienced that I, I, I certainly uh, would jump in and say, yes, uh, mm -hmm. I have experienced that. And I, I'm thinking of that old adage that uh, wisdom comes with age. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the processes of which I thought and, and, and spoke and acted when I was younger uh, and, and maybe less wise, um, sometimes, it, you know, to my dismay, it was... It was divisive. It, it, it was allowing the culture of the time or my associations of the time uh, to program my my mind, my thinking in, in an unhealthy way. I, I even I tell you that one of the changes that did take place when I was when I was young, though, um, I, I graduated from Canton McKinley High School in 1981. 
I'm glad to hear that our Bulldogs won their football game. Yay, yay. <laughs> and, uh, and I was at Crenshaw Junior High School prior to that um, in, in the uh, late 70s, and the TV show uh, Roots came out, which sparked some uh, races and divide. And I uh, played basketball and, and other sports, and some of my closest friends, even to this day, uh, are African-American friends of mine that came from McKinley, came from Crenshaw. And I began to, no matter how we pray, I began to pray this uh, little prayer of, of, of God, help me to see people through your eyes. And, 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 I, and, I, and I prayed that for a long time, uh, Joe, and, and, and I think with age, I began to see people from all denominations and races and religions and while there are some differences to see people through the eyes of of, of, of their creator causes you to look for those uh, those diamonds that the rabbi just spoke of um, those truths of, of of people matter and people are valuable and uh, they have purpose in life and it, and it causes us to seek harmony and unity and relationship as opposed to uh, name calling and labeling and, and, and dividing. Yeah. And, and so, yes, Joe. And I would say, uh, I, I would, I would say wisdom comes with seeking, not necessarily age, <laughs> because sometimes age, we, we get settled in and we dig in. And, yeah. and so I think it comes with, with actually those who seek. I, I have who I was 10 years ago. Um, who I regret, things I regret saying, positions I regret taking. Um, and and it's only through, and a lot of it is because of all the people I have met in this show, of all the people I've got to meet who have shown me a different, but it, it really only comes down to you could read, you could do everything, but it's getting to meet people, Amen. getting to see people for who they are. And that's, you know, I said, I didn't know the only people I knew on this panel today coming in was was Tim and, and Pastor Moss, who I've known for a long time. But now I'm hearing, you know, now I know Rabbi Ad, Adlin, you know, I know the Imam here, I, I know... Um, Imam Taha now, and I know Larry Bove, and, and, and these are people have now expanded my universe, so to speak. And well, that's where it really all begins. Yeah, it's like us just sitting around the table. I mean, we don't have any coffee or food in front we of us. Can, we could. I but, could bring uh, it. <laughs> but this is what Dr. King said, that right. we all can sit around the table right. and be at the table. And this is important, right. communicating. Right. His his goal ultimately was what he called the blessed community. Yes, that somehow or another the real people of God, not yes. the official ones, but the real people <laughs> of God were those people that could get together yes. and even share a meal. He, he said it wouldn't it be yeah. great if everybody brought their own food and we ate across the tables and had this you know blessed blessed community. I I think that you're right. There's a poet named T. S. Eliot. Mm-hmm. He says you have the experience but miss the meaning. There are lots of people that have experiences, but they miss the meaning right. goes over their head. And and fortunately, another dimension I want to add to is is who are your teachers? Mm. Uh, my teachers were not people in the classroom. I, I, I spent many years in the classroom. I hate to say the teachable moment wasn't necessarily when I was sitting in my classroom with my professors. 
but some of the teachers are really important to who to who we become. Uh, a man named George Irby in Columbus, Mississippi, uh, who, who actually his son was a professional football player for the New York Giants. I didn't know that at the time, but I was a young lieutenant uh, in the Air Force, and uh, for whatever reason, I had encountered Dr. King and some of those experiences. So I went into Mississippi not knowing what it was like, and 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 he was kind of like my guide because. I really got angry. Uh, when I saw what I thought were really injustices, I got mad. I got really angry. Mm-hmm. If I talked to my base commander in the same tone of voice as I talked to an African American, I'd ruin his day. So I purposely spoke to everybody in the same tone of voice. Right. And I was really angry. And he, he used to tease me because he said, you got to turn your cheek. You got to learn how to turn your cheek, and I go turn my cheek. I I want to <laughs> punch him in the. I want to r- r- ram him into. You say, Lieutenant Bove, you score my uncle Pat, Ed Patty. You got to turn your cheek, and he and it was like months he would go because I was just getting livid, and I had uh, it, it was just like why is this you know, and in that case he was really teaching me a very spiritual lesson that I wouldn't have learned is is how how to develop alternatives to violence. Right. And that's what a lot of people don't have, right? Because left to yourself, I am many men like you or me. You, I can be really angry, and when I get angry, I want to hurt somebody. Yeah. Turning it to violence is so important for young people, and and that that takes time and, and place. And, and 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 reaching out. And you know, Rabbi Adlin, you have done every place you've been, and you've been a lot of different places. You have you have founded interfaith organizations in every place you have been and it it is obviously a part of who you are as a rabbi correct absolutely whether it was in lexington or indianapolis or here in canton not to say found it but i certainly have reached out across the lines and tried to be able to find ways to have a conversation with other clergy um, and always accessible to go into churches or any other community to be able to talk about Judaism because the the best best way to you know combat ignorance is with 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 information with just getting to see somebody else's face and realize they're they're not the devil they're not evil and they're not bad they're just you know, the, I guess when you look at this gentlemen you all come from different backgrounds you all come from different faiths. Uh, different ways of expressing your uh, your faith in God. What is there? Can uh, religion can be? And this is a tough question, I guess. But religion can be is is probably faith in God is probably the most important thing that you could have to combat. We talk about looking at people through godly eyes. But it also is one of the most divisive things in the world. Where is there common ground between Judaism, Islam, Christianity, Catholicism? Because all of these all of these faiths also have branches. You know, there, there's different branches in, this, in the Islamic faith. There's different branches in, in Judaism. There's different branches in Catholicism, in, in, in Protestant. You know, you have, you have Methodists, you have Presbyterians, you have all these different yeah. people. How do you, what is the common ground that someone could anchor then say, 
how do you anchor together and say we there's there's one diamond or two diamonds that affect all religions and bring us together is there one that's a tough question well there's a lot of there's a lot of focus uh, Joe on mental health these days as I said before there's a lot of focus on physical health but I would I would venture to say that all of us uh, on this panel this morning would agree that the human being is a is a trichotomous human being we are not just mind and body or just a bunch of DNA cells floating through time and space right. uh, but, but we are a third component and that is spiritual and it is that human soul that separates us from the rest of the uh, the animal kingdom and so that diamond in my mind would be uh, that uh, God the Father is behind every uh, human conception and um, that is what I said earlier about praying to see people from all races and religions and backgrounds uh, through the through the eyes um, through the eyes of God and while we can have some vehement disagreements theologically um, and we we can say we agree to disagree. We, we shake hands and we go build a habitat for humanity home together. Uh, we go help those in need. We go feed the poor. We go help the sick. And we create unity amongst ourselves instead of division that way. But there has to be, but there has to be respect and there has to be a common ground somewhere in the midst of all the different faiths and different religious practices. I, I believe uh, emphasizing those universal values mm-hmm. in every religion, that will be not will include all, only the religions, it will even include all humanity. Those values, universal values of mercy, love, forgiveness, uh, uh, equality, all of those, I think, will be the be- the first step. Yeah. Amen. I agree. Yeah. It's a tough question though. If you lo- if you're yes. looking at it from a sociological point of view, if you want to get an answer, I think that's maybe a hard one for us to answer. But, you know, I, for example, I've often said when I die, I want my friend John Spitzer, the rabbi, my friend Father John and Pastor Herb to bury me. Let them figure it out. <laughs> because, you know, everybody has their own ritual, though I got to do that in their territory. That's the institutional church. And, and, un- and unfortunately, the institutions themselves are not the message from, from the deity. God, that's, God, we create institutions as human, but, but the, 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 the source of all love and of all goodness is, is not necessarily the institution itself. And there's plenty in my tradition to be happy about, and there's plenty to be sad about. So traditions have good things and they have bad things in it. Our histories have good things and bad things. Um, the Catholic Church's history is checkered when you look at, at one thing after another. So that question, I think, is a hard one to answer. I think the better one is what you said before. Mm-hmm. How do we, as individuals, create relationships right. that build up? And I would say, as, as members of the United States, as opposed to other countries, we have also unalienable rights that we believe in, mm-hmm. that all people, without, without earning it, have a certain degree of respect, pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, which correlates with my Christian, and I think are, are the key, like you said, what, what is something that all of us agree, as followers of the book, whether it's Jewish, Protestant, Catholic, Imam, Islam, we believe that, that God creates all people with dignity. Uh, 
Rabbi Adlin, I want to hear from you on that. I, I, you know, as far as Judaism is concerned and reaching out, do do you do is do you find it hard, harder to do it than any other any other religion or anything? No, I don't think so. I think the imams said it very, very well. We share all of these universal values and. Uh, one of the things I've always taught is respect the differences. You know, we have the universal values, but respect the differences. I may not agree with uh, some of the, the, the precepts within Catholicism or Protestantism or uh, or Islam, but it doesn't, you know, if I respect who they are and that they worship the way that they do, um, it, it just breaks down all of these barriers. We can stand next to each other and we can, we can pray, even if we don't agree on everything. Nobody says we have to have, everybody has to think alike. Um, but we shouldn't uh, hate each other because we think differently. Amen. Amen. Now, one, of the ways, one of the ways in which I've grown tremendously through the years is I used to approach those differences, unfortunately, with dogma, because that's the that's just the way that we were raised and, and, and the culture that we were in. And, and, and now I have uh, switched to where I approach those differences with humility and, uh, and, and, and to humble ourselves and to, to openly discuss uh, in, in, a, in a relational manner, in a, in a friendly manner, uh, knowing that no human being has all the answers and no human being has a right to be dogmatic uh, in, 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 their, in their thinking, um, but to have humility, which is, a, is probably one of those universal virtues in our faith, in our faiths, our respective faiths, that uh, we should humble ourselves before God um, and just seek that wisdom. And that, that's a great way to end it. It is humility. It is getting to know individuals getting to sit down and talking and if you have differences to be able to discuss those differences in a civil and loving way and and um i i want to thank you i don't want to keep you gentlemen i know you all have things that you have to do um rabbi i hope you get some sleep i know you've got this is a holy day for you and i know you're going to be busy and I can't thank you enough for taking time to be with us today. Thank you. And uh, all of you. I Go ahead, Pat, Rabbi. I'm sorry. Well, we'll see. I'm sure I'll see many of you soon. So uh, have a great day, but I do need to get going. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Rabbi. And, and all of you, it was, it was great to meet my new friends. It was great to see my old friends. Um, I, I can say that I honestly and truly love you all. Amen. And, you. Um, uh, and I hope we continue this dialogue and we continue to work and, and, and avoid the things that are going on and, and short-circuit some of this hate and this anger uh, and talk face-to-face, Amen. get to know each other, get to love each other rather than label and hate and categorize and take the easy way out. Right. I thank you all so much for being with us. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks.